Well, there's finally a little bit of good news after a long period of economic slump. Um, it seems like there's beginning to be a comeback in the economy. In fact, um, employers are saying that in 2016, they are hoping to see a, a rise uh, in jobs in their companies. In fact, the estimate is about 36% of, co- of companies will add full-time employees in this coming year. Um, So that's a pretty darn good figure. Now, uh, for those of you who... um, You're looking to move outside the box. You're ready to make a change. You want to do something uh, different and bold. Um, Well, there is a whole new burgeoning career that is developing, that uh, is growing. It's, it has a, a long history. In fact, it goes right back to the early astrologers. Um, and that's the career of being a matchmaker. Um, I know you're thinking it's too good to be true, uh, but according to the Matchmaking Institute of New York, um, people can expect to make salaries of over six figures in the matchmaking industry and be able to enjoy the satisfaction of bringing people together with their soulmates, with those who complete them. So if, if you've never thought about it, you might think about a career matchmaker. In fact, I, I, just, I did a little research this week and was looking to see if we actually had any matchmakers um, in our area. And I did come up with one. Um, <laughs> our own Joe Malin, who is soon retiring from the post office and has already picked his career and even boasts that he can match those that others can't. Um, and Joe isn't even here to enjoy this. Um, yeah, there you go. But, but you know, as I as I was uh, musing on uh, this topic this week, you know, I I couldn't help but to think that um, when it comes to successfully joining people together, matching people together. Nobody does it better than God. And, and I know that sounds like such a religious cliche because God does everything better. Um, but the truth is no one has the ability to bring people together to actually join them like God does. This morning, I'm going to have you see that in a much deeper way than what you probably think. Because we're going to finish our final message on a series we began a while back called Each One. A series that we began to look at probably at the beginning of the year at what God has called us to do in the mandate and the great commission that he's given us. And each one of us going out and sharing the gospel with the world around us. When we began this series, we began at step one, which is each one be one. That if you're going to share the gospel of Christ, if you're going to share the good news of Christ, you have to be a follower of Christ. Because there's no power in sharing what you don't live, 
And the truth is, you, you just can't give what you don't have. And so we talked about the fact that, that to live out the mandate, the great commission that Christ has given us, each one has to be one. And secondly, we, we talked about, and the second step is uh, that each one reach one. That the mandate is for each one of us to go out and reach someone else. And you're going to keep hearing me use this word mandate because it is. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's not good advice. It's a command of God. For each one of us to not only be one, but to reach one. And thirdly, we talked about the fact that in reaching one, the next step is to bring one. To bring one into the fellowship of the church. To introduce to them the first time the fellowship of believers. So that the church can help join you as you seek to reach others. Because there might be areas in which you know that you can only go so far. And the truth is, you can't really fully understand the gospel without the whole of the body of Christ. And so we talked about each one be one, each one reach one, each one bring one. And the next step we talked about was each one love one. That there is nothing more powerful than loving a person whom God loves. Loving a person who loves God. There is nothing more powerful, more important, and more expected than us as believers when we reach out to others and we bring them into the fellowship for the fellowship to love the new faces that come in, to reach out and share with them the love of Christ and show them that it is actually real and that it is actually engaged. Last week, we talked about each one teach one, that God has given us all the ability in very simple ways to join with another person and help them grow in their faith, to teach them, to show them, to share with them what we know. Even if we don't think we know a lot, the realization is if we share what we know that we know we know, and that's right, it can fill gaps for people that we would have never thought were there that they never would have thought were there. And so this morning we close out with each one join one. Join what? Well, join the church. Because that is the mandate of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. And one day, Jesus will come back to this earth to take with him his bride. And so, having people become part of the body of church, entering into the membership of the church, not just the membership in the local church, but in in identifying and confessing membership into the full body of the church, isn't just a good thing. It's a required thing. Each one join one. And it's each one of us joining new people who come in. Joining with them so they'll join with us so that together we can join with God in what he's doing in the world. It's interesting. You can just do a cursory skim of the Bible. And what you'll find is this. 
over and over again, God uses people to do his work and his will. But he doesn't just use them as individuals. He takes individuals and he joins them together. That he never calls people to just go out and do ministry all by themselves with no support. Because that's contrary to who God is. The God that we worship is a communal God. It's a, he's a God who rejoices in fellowship. In fact, look, we, look what we see uh, in the Bible in Luke chapter 10. Um, very on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus sends his disciples out to minister. Look what we read. After this, the Lord, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. Now, some scholars debate about whether 70 or 72, but the idea was that number was to represent uh, the known um, nations in the world in, ja- in Genesis chapter 10. And so he sends 72 out two by two ahead of him in every town and place where he was about to go. Why did Jesus need to send them out ahead of him? Because he didn't need them. But see, that's the beauty of what God does. He doesn't need us to bring about his will on this earth. But he loves us. And he wants us to partner with him that we might experience the joy of the Father as we watch people move from death to life, from darkness to light. Next slide. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so you you see this emphasis that Jesus shares with his disciples that this is imperative. It is imperative because the harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people out there that God has prepared to receive the gospel of Christ. And so you can see the importance. You can see why the mandate's there, that God calls us to be a part of what he's doing. Because every day, there are those that God would have each one of us reach so that as we reach, we can bring and love and teach and join with them as they join with us. Join what? The church. Why? Because it's not only what God requires, it's what is good for us. Can you imagine if God called us just to go out and, and to share the gospel and to live out uh, his mandates alone? How lonely and how discouraging that would be. How tough that would be. Jesus calls us to come together, to join together, because we need to, we have to. He created us as communal. When we don't work together, when we don't minister together, when we don't love on each other and support each other, we don't flourish Each one joined one because in joining each other, we encourage one another. 
We encourage, we experience things that we would never experience on our own. We share wisdom. We help realign each other's perspectives. We give courage and support to each other. Why do we do it? Because God commands it. Why does God command it? (laughs) Because it's what we need. It's how he's built us. No one is built or made to be an island. No one before God can say, it's just me and Jesus and we're doing fine, because God doesn't allow that. It's interesting. When you watch people who get depressed, what happens when they get depressed? The more they get depressed, the more they withdraw, the more they isolate. I probably told you one of my favorite studies in the early founding of this country was... um, when, when people uh, on the East Coast were promised land grants uh, in, the, in the Midwest and West, and they were told that, you know, if they were willing to go out there and to pioneer the land, that they could receive 100 a, a acres of their own. And when people went out there, because they came from these crowded cities in New York and elsewhere, when they went out and claimed their land, because they had been so used to being squished together, they decided that that they would build their homes on the furthest part of their lawn, on their land, furthest away from where their neighbors built their homes. And what they find is over time, they all just became weird. True, true story. We become weird when we live isolated lives. That's just the nature of how God created us. But here's the thing. Uh, The real story in God joining us together is the mystery in how he joins us together. Because it's not just God looking for individuals who, who match other individuals who have the same likes and somehow God brings us together so that he can use us because if we didn't match up right, we wouldn't be able to be any use to him. That is not how God joins us together. It's much deeper than that. There's a principle that we're going to look at this morning, and the principle is this. God matches us by molding us. God matches us by molding us. You see, you can look at all the matchmaking companies uh, in our world today, and, and they claim all sorts of good things, but, but I've experienced couples, and I've seen that e-misery can just end up being, or e-harmony can be e-misery, same thing. <laughs> Christian mingle can be nothing more than Christian mangle. Um, Match.com can just be the match to the fire uh, that spreads through their lives. Um, That's just the reality. As much as we can make people look good in computers, they're not computers. They're sinners. And when sinners try to match themselves together, I always laugh when we've had college kids go to college and they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, Pastor, you're really excited. I got in the school I want. And, you know, I'm really excited because, you know, my best friend's going to be my roommate for this year. And, and I, it's going to be so awesome. And, and I'm looking, I'm smiling. And I'm thinking, by the end of the semester, you're going to hate each other. Why? Because we're like 
porcupines. You know, the closer we get, the more we start to stab into each other. For us to be able to join together, it's almost impossible. I mean, think about people, you know, who have friends and family, and then they become estranged friends and family and enemies. And what happens? We happen. But God does something incredible. God doesn't look for perfect matches. He just takes individuals with all of their differences and he molds them in a way that they could never ever be that close and that tight. I've had uh, friends I've known who weren't believers and, and the friendship was it, could, it was some, somewhat deep, but it wasn't that deep. And yet those same people who became believers, friendships went to a whole different level. The way of relating went to a whole different level. How does God do that? How does God match us by molding us? This morning, I want to look with you at Ephesians chapter 4 because you see the mystery and, and, and almost the, the secret of how God does it. God matches us and molds us. First, by molding us into his person. Look what we read. Ephesians 4, there is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now just back that up for a minute. I want you to look at these words. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, when you were called. Now that word called is an important word. Because when you think of the word called, what do you think of? Anybody? Someone calls, yells at you, emails you, FaceTimes you, whatever. That probably ain't right. Um, we think of someone calling, yelling out to us, saying, hey, come on over here. But that's not what the word means. The word literally means creates. Just like God called in creation everything to come to being. Just by his word it was. He called and the universe came into creation. He spoke and men and women came into creation. God molds and he matches by molding the person into the person of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. In fact, you see the Trinitarian formula right there. There is one body and one spirit. We are joined together by God's Holy Spirit. 
We are joined together by God's Spirit into the body of Christ. Because God calls us as the people that He has prepared to be part of the body of Christ. We didn't call Him. We didn't come because we heard about it and thought it was. God acted upon us. God created in us through his spirit the body of Christ in us. I want you to think about that for a minute. You think the church is the place you go to. You are the church. God and all of his, what he's doing in you is creating in you the church and calling you to become part of it. God doesn't just match us and join us. God molds us into becoming what we couldn't become. The Spirit calls us into the body. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Because we are called by the Spirit and we are called into faith in Christ. One Lord. We're not called to a bunch of different gods. We're not called to be joined together um, with, with a, a multitude of, of different... We are called together in one person. The Spirit testifies to the Son. Sent by the Father on behalf of the Son to testify to the Son. To testify to what? One hope in Christ Jesus. One Lord. One baptism. One faith. You see, by God's Spirit, we are called to be molded, and we are molded by our faith in Christ that God gives to us through our baptism and our proclamation, our being compelled to stand forward and stand up not only for Christ but for each other in Christ we are molded as persons into the person of God molded by the one God and father of us all and look what we read next slide who is over all and through all and in all now, I hope you're tracking with me. I hope this isn't a little too heady. But the deal is, the God who is over all and in all and through all takes us and joins us together by pulling us into him. And in that, he joins us into his person and therefore makes it possible for us to join together as persons. We are molded into the person of God. And in so, we are molded into one another. That gr- the great high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed, you know, may they all be one as we are one. John 17, and, and that's the deal. And So how does God get us to join together? He calls us, and in that call, He creates his person in us. We become more and more like Christ through the power of the Spirit 
and by the grace of God. He molds us by the person. He molds us in purpose. So Christ himself gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip us, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how does God join us together? He joins us together in his person and in his purpose. And what does he do in his purpose? Back it up one. He equips us. Why do we call people to be part of the church? Because it's only within the fellowship of Christ you can truly become equipped. It's only in the fellowship of the body of Christ that people can affirm your gifts, be blessed by your gifts, help you grow your gifts, and, and Paul just mentions a, a few of the offices, but those offices come with gifts. And if you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 or Romans chapter 12, you'll see all of the gifts of knowledge and of wisdom and of hospitality and leadership. But it's through that stuff that God molds us together. That he gives pastors and evangelists and, and he gives Sunday school teachers and he gives all of these people to bring us together so that we grow in our knowledge, that we become more complete. He molds us in purpose by equipping us, by engaging us with one another, and by establishing us that we become mature in the fullness of Christ. I mean, are you, are you picking this up? I mean, this is, he does for us to join us, which couldn't happen if we weren't willing to join him within the body of Christ. That's why outside the body of Christ, believers are lost. They, they are floundering. They are missing out on God's design and his desires and even his demands. And what happens to us is we can just live lives that are, that are futile and frustrating and end in failure. Because what God is doing in calling us to join together, it is miraculous when we talk about being joined or being matched, we don't know what we're talking about. Because to be truly joined together is to be molded together. And only God can do that. Molded in person, molded in purpose, molded in perfection. Look what we read. In, uh, can you turn it one over? then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, 
From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God molds us in person and he does it in purpose and he does it in perfection because he perfects us in word and deed. Jump back one. Instead, speaking the truth in love. In fact, that's, that is, you could call it the life verse of this church. That You'll find that on, I think, on your bulletins. Speaking the truth in love. That's how God perfects us. When we go and we share the gospel together and we do it in love. We don't do it in criticism. We don't do it in placating sin. We do it boldly, tactfully, compassionately. And God perfects us to that end. Because he will. You know, it's interesting. You can go to churches that are very, very liberal. And everything and anything goes and everything is fine. And you can go to churches that are very, very legalistic. And everything is a sin and a slippery slope. And God isn't pleased with anything. It's just critical. Or you can go to a church where there's liberty. You can go to a church where truth and love are spoken together and people see the beauty of the gospel. Light comes into darkness. Orders established, beauty's released. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's how God perfects us as he molds us. He molds us in word and deed. He molds us in growth and maturity. Paul says, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body who is the fullness of Christ. As we join together, we will grow. Grow means to expand. Grow means to, to go out and to become more than what we are, to experience more, to take risks. And mature means to come to completeness and fullness. That's what it means to be perfected as a person. That your potential is expanded. And that ultimately, in that expanding of your potential, as God knows, he completes you. We are molded by his person and by his purpose and by his perfection and word and deed and growth and maturity and connection and affection. I, I love this. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and binds itself, builds itself up in love as each part does its, as each does its part. He perfects us in our connections with each other and our affections with each other. Our love for each other. When we heard about Thor's death, when we heard about JB's death, yeah, it hits hard. 
anyone that we've experienced within the body of Christ, even if there's distance, even if people move away and you hear that they're, they've passed or something bad has happened, you still feel the connection. I, I went down to Florida on, um, for a conference, and anyone who knows me, when I go to conferences, I walk in, sit in for about five minutes, ADHD, I think, kicks in, and I just leave. Um, that's, it's more of a junket, I like to say. Um, but when I was down there, I hadn't talk, talked to Tom and Nancy Wilkins in, I don't know, a long time, maybe five years. And, um, and I called them up, and I said, hey, uh, I'm in Orlando. You guys want to get together? And Tom said to me, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be down there tomorrow night. Oh, well, I thought was, that was great because I figured, you know, you know, you're in the area. Well, he, he wasn't really in the area. In fact, he went to go get his son and daughter, I mean his daughter and, and son-in-law, who were about an hour, two hours away, to turn around and bring them because they wanted to see me. And when, when I found that out, I just thought, wow. Now I can't hit him with the bill. Um, no, but I just, I just thought to myself, this is the body of Christ. The connections don't go away. I have people I know all over this country and some in the world who are believers who I haven't talked to in a long, long time. And I know if I picked up the phone, it would be like we never lost a beat. Why? Because we love each other. Why? Because we're perfect matches? No. Because we love each other because God has molded us together. He's placed the church within our hearts. So why each one join one? Because it's in joining and matching that God molds. Hopefully you see the power of this. Because in this is the power. And this is the presence of God. And this is God's design and desire for you and his demand. And the truth is, you cannot grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. You can't. If you don't join with other believers and help other believers to join with you, it's a sin not to. Think of all that God has done to... To, to mold us together. We don't get to make it optional. Because if it's so powerful that God has put together this way of bringing us together and, and we don't want to do it, I got to tell you, we need to step back and say, wait a minute, is my faith real?
Is it the gospel? Because we are meant to matter to each other. What does that look like in practical terms? Why don't you share four things? One, it means we need to realign our priorities. We need to realign our priorities. You say, you know, I want to do all this. I want to be part of the church. I just don't have time. You have time to watch TV, right? You have time to do whatever you want to do. I, I, I'd like to go on a mission trip, or I'd like to tithe, or I'd like to get, I just, I just don't have enough right now. But I guarantee you, you'll find it when you need it for something you want. When you say, I, you know, I, those people just, some of those people there just irritate me. You probably irritate them. But maybe it's time to realign your priorities and realize it's not about you. Maybe it's time to put away your expectations of others and only look at what is my expectations of me and loving them. Boy, if that happened in the church, the church would be powerful. Just like if that happened in marriages, marriages would be powerful. Real joining only comes when I drop my expectations of them and ask myself, am I living up to my expectations for what I should be for them? Realign priorities. Ratify your profession. If you haven't been baptized... You need to, you should, it's a command. We walk around this stuff, we make things optional that are not optional to God. Do you know what a privilege baptism is? Honestly, Christ died on the cross for you to say that you're mine, you're special to me. Baptism gives you the opportunity to celebrate that. And it's a God-given opportunity. And to worry about, well, I don't, I don't know how my hair will look afterwards. Or, you know, I, I don't like to see, have people see me in water. I mean, I, I've heard craziness over the years of I, I, a million excuses. I, I'm going to write a book on all the excuses of the church. I've heard millions of excuses for millions of things, and I just sit back and I go, you got to be kidding. Ratify your position. Be willing to say, here I stand. And I stand with these people. And I've committed myself to be loved by them, to be hurt by them, to be challenged by them, so that with them we can be molded into the body of Christ. 
release your self-profession, protection. That voice in you that says, I'm only going to do so much, I'm only going to go so far, I'm only going to give so much, let it go. That's, how many would agree that's not of faith? Raise your hands. You awake? The answer to that one is yes. It is. We have got to go back to making bold moves for God. I'll tell you something. This, this isn't biblical, so I'll say it up front. It's just my own musing. Lately, I've heard men say, well, I don't want to do that. My wife will get upset. And I've thought to myself, there must be a special place in hell for men who don't do the right thing out of fear of their wives. There must be. And wives, that's not against you. That's against men who call themselves Christians, but they won't live it. They won't stand like it. They won't risk like it. Christ went to the cross and risked and gave it all. And yet all people come to me and give me these wimpic excuses and and I'll think to myself, there must be a verse that says I get to beat them now. I'm joking, I'm joking. But honestly, self-protection will kill you. Self-protection will make you selfish. And that's it. Last, recognize your place. You're needed in the body of Christ. Your gifts are needed. Your kind and gentle words are needed after my harsh words, right? He didn't really mean that. He's not that bad. You're needed. Recognize these are my gifts, this is my place, this is how I love on people and I speak truth and it might not be the same as anyone else but this is me, this is where God has me and in boldness I just try to be the best me I can. I was thinking this week of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he, he tells of just a wild story about how one day God took him up into what was called the third heavens. First heavens represent the sky, the second outer space, and the third heavens in, in the Greek world was to be in the heavens with God. And he says that he was shown just inexplicable things, things that, that you couldn't even put into words. And in fact, he was commanded by God not to. And so, I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, as people on this side of paradise, we worry about death, don't we? 
which is so irrational. I mean, right? I could die. And then go be with Jesus and in heaven and paradise, which is what I say I'm all about, but I try to avoid it as long as I can. Now, we know irrational. But see, we weren't built to die. And so the whole concept scares us even while we know that Christ died for us to take away the sting of death. Can you imagine how hard it must have been for the Apostle Paul? I was just thinking about this week thinking, here we are scared of going there, which is just irrational. And he got to go there. And then he had to come back. Can you imagine how this world must have seemed like hell after that? Can you imagine him walking around just saying, I just want to go back, I just want to go back, I just, I just want to go, I want to leave. It must have been unbearable for him. And yet, listen to what he writes in Philippians chapter 1. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. He wanted to go. He did not want to be a part of this earth anymore after seeing what he saw. And, and you can just imagine how easy it would be to be so discontent with the foolishness of this world, the things that you and I hold on to in histrionic ways, wait, watching the drama play out, hoping it all works good. And Paul, after that, walked around saying, boring, disgusting, I just want to leave. And yet he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And I'm torn. But it's more necessary for you that I remain. And so what happened? The molding that took place in him, the church that God built inside of him, said, yeah, I want to go, but they need me. And I love them. And I want to see that their progress become complete, that their joy and the faith become complete. Can you imagine having that kind of love for the church? For joining together when people don't know how to join, but but God matches us by molding us into him? I pray that would be our prayer. Help me be so connected by the people in my church that they get to me. That I'm willing to do whatever I can for them because it's for God and Christ. And it just brings us all closer together. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, 
Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather encourage one another. All the more as the day draws near. Let that be said of us. Please join me in prayer.